All right, guys, you were locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am reacting to the Falcons trading of tight end Eric Saubert to the New England Patriots. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. I've been covering the Falcons for many years at Falcfans.com, on Twitter at Falcfans, and, of course, the host of this preeminent Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Today's episode is going to be me spending quite a bit of time talking about the Eric Saubert trade, the ramifications of that, and doing as we did on yesterday's episode, talking about sort of the ramifications of that on the Falcons roster, and we'll focus quite a bit of attention more on the wide receiver position. Yesterday, we talked quite a bit about the running back position, and that will be the sort of the focus of the Falcons of today's episode. So uh, without further ado, let's jump right into your Locked on Falcons lead story. The Falcons received a seventh round compensatory draft pick in the 2020 NFL draft from the New England Patriots by shipping tight end Eric Saubert, their former fifth round pick in the 2017 draft. Essentially, that is the same draft compensation that the Falcons gave up 11 months ago in order to require safety Jordan Richards from the Patriots. So essentially, this trade boils down to the Falcons trading Saubert for Richards in a two-way swap. Uh, you can be the judge of whether or not that is worthwhile compensation in your eyes. We'll have to sort of see what the condition of this draft trade, this draft pick winds up being, but usually the trades that occur at this time in the calendar year, the condition usually is the player, in this case, Saubert, making the opposing team's roster, in this case being the Patriots. Uh, so when you look at it from the Falcons' perspective, if they were potentially going to cut Eric Saubert, it makes sense to try to get some compensation for him now rather than getting nothing from him uh, later on when the team makes cuts about three weeks from uh, today. You know, for me, at least, I was a little surprised by this move. Someone asked me the other day about whether or not the improvement from a tight end like Jaden Graham would push a guy like Saubert out the door. And at the time, I opined that I thought it was more likely that Logan Paulson would be the guy that gets pushed out the door for a player like Jaden Graham rather than Saubert just due to the my belief that Graham is more of a blocking type of tight end and you know having three blocking tight ends in this case Jaden Graham Logan Paulson and Luke Stocker backing up Austin Hooper didn't make a ton of sense in my eyes and so I figured that if the Falcons were going to push somebody out the door it would be a, a more of a blocker like a Paulson for Jaden Graham but clearly the Falcons disagreed with that assessment and thought that Saubert, uh, you know, was not necessarily a player that they needed to uh, really make much of an effort to retain. And, you know, one of the things I thought going into the summer, you know, another thing I got wrong was the fact that the Falcons, you know, I thought that Saubert's bubble status that many people thought that he would wind up being cut or be at least on the bubble this summer I thought that was exaggerated I thought that was overrated and whatnot but clearly I was wrong in that regard um, you know I think a lot of people question how much and, and whether or not Saubert has shown much of any growth personally I feel like he did show growth from 2017 to 2018 it certainly wasn't massive growth but I think it was at least decent amount of growth that I thought going into the summer that he would be relatively safe uh, I don't think we really got to see the best of Eric Sauber in this Falcons offense. He came out of Drake two years ago, primarily as a pass catcher. I think the Falcons have tried to spend a little bit too much time trying to make him into an effective blocker, uh, and we never really got to see the team explore his potential 
in the passing game outside of some garbage time reps during the regular season. He clearly did not necessarily make a huge impact these last couple of summers in the passing game. Uh, you, you wonder whether or not that's due to questionable quarterback play or just whatever the variables are. And one of the hopes I had was that we would maybe see uh, with Dirk Cutter's offense being at least a little bit more effective with utilizing tight ends in comparison to what we've seen out of Steve Sarkeesian these last two seasons. Maybe that we would see Saubert grow, but the Falcons clearly thought otherwise. And, you know, one of the questions we had going into training camp was whether or not the Falcons had viable tight end depth uh, and having a, a capable pass catcher in the event of an Austin Hooper injury later this season. Uh, and I think, you know, Saubert was the guy that we had sort of our eye on in that regard. And I think it's fair to question whether or not this you know, maybe not necessarily completely weaken their depth, but I think it does rate, continue to raise concerns over whether the Falcons have viable options in the event of the Austin Hooper injury that with their emphasis under Dirk Cutter and utilizing three wide receivers and two tight end sets, whether or not they have viable options after Hooper in guys like Stalker and uh, Logan Paulson. Um, you know, with a player like Jaden Graham, I think he's shown uh, significant progress from a year ago where I felt like he was a player that was put on the practice squad because they needed a body at the tight end position, not because he necessarily earned a roster spot, but we've seen some flashes from him in these first two preseason games. And thus he could wind up, you know, making a bid to be the fourth tight end. But what you could also see is the Falcons instead decide to only retain three tight ends at the position. Uh, And maybe Graham could sort of leapfrog Paulson as the third tight end. That's a possibility as well. And, you know, that would free up some opportunities for the Falcons to, you know, retain a player at another skill position at the running back at the wide receiver position. And uh, we'll have to sort of see how that plays out. And I think, you know, with this trade, we'll have to sort of see what Saubert does in New England. I know they're a team that has been hard hit by injuries at the tight end position. They have their starting tight end, Ben Watson, suspended for the first four games. So they certainly needed a body at that position. We'll have to sort of see if the Falcons, or if the Patriots can get more out of Saubert than the Falcons did these last two years. Um, but, in you know, you guys can find out more about this trade by checking out uh, Mike debate at locked on Patriots podcast, uh, which of course you can find on a variety of podcast platforms, including the one that you're listening to this locked on Falcons podcast. And we'll come back and talk about sort of the ramifications of the roster, looking at the running back and wide receiver positions, especially, uh, to sort of see whether or not this creates an opportunity for some young player at one of those spots to potentially fill a roster spot moving forward. Uh, but before we get there, I want to remind you guys, that you should be checking out the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast hosted by Vinny Iyer. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years of experience covering fantasy football. He will give you the edge on draft day. He will give you the edge all season long. Check out the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast on your favorite podcast provider, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. The offseason is all over. NFL players have put in the time and the effort to try to make rosters hoping that they do not get traded by the team that they're in camp with. Or if they do get traded, they get to showcase their enhanced and increased abilities uh, with their new teams. And you can showcase your own enhanced and increased abilities in the bedroom by checking out BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. 
Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Blue Chew is made in the USA, and since it's prepared and shipped direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, you can take advantage of this special offer by visiting bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code locked on just pay five dollars shipping again that's b-l-u-e chew.com promo code locked on to try it for free blue chew is the better cheaper and faster choice so we're talking about the Falcons trading Eric Saubert, and you know, does that mean that the Falcons, you know, going into the summer, I thought the Falcons would certainly probably keep four tight ends, given Dirk Cutter's, you know, emphasis on that position, more utilization of the thirteen personnel, more utilization of the twelve personnel. Again, the, those are the three tight end and two tight end uh, sets, respectively. That you know, having you know considerable depth at that tight end position makes a lot of sense and again given that Paulson and Stalker are primarily blocking tight ends having another pass catcher there in Saubert made a lot of sense again maybe Graham can showcase enough in all these next three games and you know make a bid for the roster potentially leapfrogging a guy like Paulson or just sort of filling that void that Saubert presumably would leave as that fourth tight end we'll have to sort of see but it also gives the Falcons the opportunity to say you know what like Jaden Grams wasn't a lock to make this team or isn't a lock to make this team. We feel like we can hide him on the uh, practice squad again for another season. And therefore, that frees up an opportunity for us to keep another player, particularly at a skill position position, you know, primarily at that running back, that wide receiver position on offense. You sort of look at it. My expectations going into summer, we would see four running backs, six wide receivers and four tight ends. That would be a total of 14 skill position players. You know, maybe I would often that assessment, maybe it's 13 instead, but you could be pretty confident the Falcons were definitely going to keep at least 13 skill position players, possibly as many as 14 uh, on their roster this year. And the way you break it down is three definite running backs, five definite wide receivers, at least three tight ends, and at least one return specialist. And that adds up to 12. So that would have left one to two spots open for essentially the best, you know, skill position player available. And we talked about previous episodes, you know, sort of the grab bag position on offense, which is basically the last spot in terms of the offense and and goes to essentially the best player available. It's considered more of a luxury position. It's a player that almost certainly, unless there are multiple injuries, is going to wind up being an active for the entire season. But he's a guy that plays well in training camp, plays well in the preseason. And the Falcons say, look, this guy is worthwhile keeping. This guy is probably not going to clear waivers if we cut him. Someone going to scoop him up so we're just going to stash him on our inactive list he's going to make the 53-man roster but be inactive almost every single week and we'll do that for an entire season and hope that he can wind up you know have carving out a bigger role you can argue maybe that was Matt Gano you know there was one thought that I expressed on a previous episode last month that it could possibly be Kurt Bankert if he came in bald this summer unfortunately that is not going to be the case with Bankert on IR even though based off of his performance in that first game it did seem like he was potentially on the path to do that 
So that pretty much probably leaves a running back or wide receiver for that possibility. And, you know, one of the things that Dan Quinn mentioned in his press conference on Monday was the possibility of keeping seven wide receivers. That has been a thought that I've sort of bandied about in my head, potentially, potentially if you count one of those receivers, in this case, Marcus Green, the return specialist as one of those wide receivers. And the Falcons really are keeping six wide receivers plus a return specialist that happens to also be listed as a wide receiver, in this case, Marcus Green. Um, so that is a possibility, and we'll have to sort of see how the Falcons sort of deal with this. Um, we've seen a lot of young, talented players at the wide receiver position sort of you know, battling it out for um, what amounts to be a finite amount of spots. We know that Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu are locks. You know, we're like, you know, if Justin, if, if I'm sorry, if Russell Gage is not a hundred percent lock, he's like a 98.7% lock, you know, like the chances of him getting cut are virtually zero. So he's as near a lock as you can possibly get on this team due to his value on special teams and, and due to the improvement he's shown there. It's really the question of is Justin Hardy a fixture at that number five spot? Is somebody else can leapfrog him for that five spot? And then if not, then is it guys like Christian Blake? Is it guys like Devin Gray? Is it guys like Alameda Zacchaeus? Really, I think the three front runners that we're really talking about, um, at least based off of the depth charts and how much they've played, are those guys all vying for potentially one roster spot and you know multiple practice squad spots, or, or are those guys going to be left on the out on the outside looking in come you know September when the Falcons finalize the roster? And that's really been the question for me. Now, as I mentioned before, I, I said that I don't think Salbert's in on the bubble uh, to the degree that people have mentioned. Clearly, I was wrong on that. I have also said the same thing about Justin Hardy, just because I feel like the Falcons have a proven option that in the event, again, this is really what depth is, or at least this is how I view it. Uh, maybe you can start to raise questions whether the Falcons view it in the same way. But um, the way that it is, is like you, you have an injury here and it doesn't have to be a permanent injury. It can just be like a guy goes down for a quarter, a guy goes down for a game and who do you need to step in? And you want to have proven options. You want to have guys that have been there and done that. And in the case of Justin Hardy playing that Z wide receiver spot, which is the flanker spot, which is the spot that Muhammad Sanu played, the spot that Roddy White played, the spot that Calvin Ridley plays. Um, you know, having that guy in the event of one of those guys going down with an injury, Sanu or Ridley, obviously, um, having Hardy to step in that has played that role for four years now and been productive. I know, again, he does not put up monster numbers, but when you look at his efficiency on third downs and in the red zone, he's been one of the more efficient receivers that the Falcons have had over the last four seasons. And so when you look at a player like that and saying, like, that's a guy that you know can come in and give you valuable production, you don't really know that about Christian Blake, who's been basically the the backup ZY receiver with Sanu and, and, um, and Ridley out of the lineup so far in the preseason. And with Hardy being the quote-unquote starter these last couple of games, it's been sort of Christian Blake and Alameda Zacchaeus have been the first options off the bench while Russell Gage is playing at X wide receiver spot and Devin Gray has been more of an X. We've seen sort of um, Zacchaeus also get some reps at, at X. We've seen a little bit of, of Gray get some reps at that uh, Z wide receiver spot as well. Um, and again, for those of you that, you know, I say these letters and, and maybe some of you guys don't quite understand what those mean. But basically the X is the split end. That guy, it kind of is a skill that you want a guy that can, you know, be more of an explosive vertical threat, a guy that's going to see much more 
press coverage because he's going to be lined up on the line of scrimmage, and so it's going to be easier for him to press him. So you, the ideal sort of prototype that you are typically you'll see in the NFL is you want a really fast guy that basically if teams are going to be too afraid to press him because basically if they don't jam him at the line of scrimmage, he's going to roast him, someone like a Tyreek Hill, or you want a Julio Jones or a Mike Evans type of guy who's just big and physical, and basically when you try to press him, he's just going to just blow through that press coverage pretty easily. And, you know, the Z wide receiver is the flanker, is the guy that's usually off the line of scrimmage. Therefore, he doesn't have to sort of, you know, he's not as sort of effective by press because he's got a little bit of space to build up speed. And so he can be, more, you know, typically, you know, going back to the old school West Coast offense, John Taylor was the X, uh, Jerry Rice was the Z, and the Z is more of the possession receiver. Although when you looked at what Jerry Rice did, he wasn't a possession receiver would be a, a, a dis, disrespectful to what Jerry Rice was able to do at that position. But he's sort of the, the peak of that position. Marvin Harrison was more of a Z guy as well. So, um, you know, that's sort of what you're talking about uh, with more of a possession type of guy, intermediate short stuff, rather than necessarily being the sort of vertical threat that the X is. And so, like, you know, those positions requires somewhat of a differing skill set. And at least for me, like, and we'll talk about this more coming up, I question whether or not Russell Gage really has an X skill set. Um, you know, I thought Marvin Hall did, and that's, you know, part of the reason why I didn't necessarily, I question that decision to let Marvin Hall go, um, because he does have that sort of sub 4-3 speed. Aldrick Robinson was another good example of a guy that was an X for us, um, and I thought fit the skill set that you're typically looking for. I don't know if Russell Gage has that, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that coming up and, and sort of get some more of my thoughts on this wide receiver position battle coming up with, with some of these young players. But before we get there, I do want to let you guys know that the new Locked On NFL podcast is on fire. Last week is one of the most listened to NFL shows out there. You get expert analysis from former NFL scat Mount Williamson. It's hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow the Locked On NFL podcast on your favorite podcast provider, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So, you know, I'm talking about the difference between the X and the Z wide receiver. And one of the things that I've noticed with Russell Gage, particularly in the Dolphins game, is to me, and this goes back to what Russell Gage was at LSU and my evaluation of him coming out. And for those of you that recall, I wasn't necessarily high on his offensive potential coming out. Um, And I think he's shown growth. I don't, I still haven't necessarily turned the page. You can call that me being stubborn or whatever, but I do feel like his skill set is more suited towards being a Y. When you watch him play and when he's trying to beat press coverage, you know, he's doing sort of, you know, what I consider to be a negative, but the rest of the world thinks it's great. So I'm not going to necessarily put a judgment on this, but he's sort of doing the Muhammad Sanu where he's trying to essentially dance his way. And, and use his footwork to sort of beat the press coverage. You know, one of the things I've noticed out of Devin Gray and why I've been a little bit more impressed with Devin Gray, not necessarily relative to Russell Gage, but among the young wide receivers, is I feel like he's a guy that's like not sort of trying to juke his way out of to beat press coverage and just getting up to speed and, and getting into his route much more quickly. And I think Russell Gage's more approach of the X receiver is the approach that we've seen with guys like Muhammad um, Sanu. And again, I don't mean that in a negative sense. Um, as a guy that's more suited to be a slot receiver and he's more suited to be the, the guy that's running the option routes, which is where he gets sort of a two way go. And he can do that little stutter step that, you know, Mohamed Sanu quite often does and, and certainly does effectively, uh, where he has a two way go where he can go left or he can go right. And he does that little stutter step and he breaks. 
And that's really sort of what Russell Gage is doing. He tried to do that against the Dolphins in uh, that goal line play where he got, he drew the holding penalty. And so I think Russell Gage really, I think, really is more suited to be more of that Y or that ZY receiver that the Falcons are envisioning Justin Hardy is. And if the Falcons decided to move on from Justin Hardy this past offseason, to me, it would have made more sense to keep Marvin Hall as the backup X and then say, hey, Russell Gage, why don't you become the backup Y and the backup Z and you can replace Justin Hardy? That, at least to me, would have made more sense than bringing back Russell Gage and Justin Hardy when it's like, you know, they, their their skill sets kind of overlap at this point in time. I don't know if we really have a viable backup. So that's one of the reasons why I'm not quite buying the Russell Gage hype that I think uh, is out there. I think he has improved, certainly. I think his ball skills in his hands have been very impressive this summer. But I do question whether or not he's ready to sort of make that leap that at least the hype at least seems to be implying to me because, you know, he's been beating, you know, essentially third-string cornerbacks in Falcons practice, guys like Ryan Neal, guys like Nick Needham, you know, guys that, like, you never really heard of in some of these preseason games. It's like, you know, week one, when Julio Jones needed a breather for 10 or 15 snaps, he's going to be going up against Xavier Rhodes. Week two, he's going to be going up against Ronald Darby. Like, is he ready to beat those guys? And, like, that's where I, I question a little bit some of the hype that we've been hearing about Russell Gage is, like, I don't know if he, he's really suited to beat those guys, and I'm prepared. I'm I'm willing to be patient, and I want to see what he does with Matt Ryan playing, starting games, and going up against actual, you know, at least vested NFL corners. You know, they don't necessarily have to be starters, uh, but guys that have been in the league for a couple of years that have sort of proven themselves. I want to see what Russell Gage does against the Jets this week. I then want to see what he does against the Quentin Dunbars and the Josh Normans and whoever is covering him the following week against the Redskins. We know Julio's not going to play that game, but we should see at least a quarter or two of Matt Ryan and the Falcons starting starters in that Redskins game. So I like to me, I'm kind of holding off um, on sort of buying into the Russell Gage hype until I see him go out there and perform against those guys. I, again, I think there's nothing wrong with beating you know, third string corners. I mean, if, if those are the guys that are going to line up against you, that's the guys you got to, you got to beat. But like, to me, I'm like, I feel like, you know, going into the summer for me, at least like, I was like, oh yeah, Russell Gage will play like 200, 250 snaps this year. sort of keep Julio fresh or whatever, you know, that's about the combined snap count that Hall and Gage had last year. And then he'll probably catch like 10 or 15 passes this year. And, you know, I think he's shown enough growth and improvement that I'm like, yeah, he'll probably catch like 15 to 20 passes. But I don't know if like going from 14 catches to 18 catches is worth kind of the hype that I think he's been getting this summer. So I'm eager to see sort of him, you know, in my opinion, live up to some of the hype that he's gotten as one of the team's more improved players. I think he's been productive. I think he's been effective. He certainly has, you know, definitely proven himself to be a capable receiver. But I do wonder if like, is there a little bit of overlap between him and Justin Hardy? And if that's the case, then in that eventuality, it does make sense to move on from Justin Hardy if you feel like Russell Gage can give you the same thing. The problem is Russell Gage hasn't been getting work at that Z wide receiver spot. He hasn't been getting a ton of work at the slot receiver spot. You know, he's been primarily an X wide receiver. And, you know, if the Falcons decide to move Russell Gage to that spot to the Z, then who's going to be your X? Is it going to be Devin Gray? Is it going to be Alameda Zacchaeus? You know, like that's where I have questions, you know, and that's, you know, this is one of the reasons why I question the Falcons' depth a little bit, even at a position like wide receiver, where you constantly hear people say, "Oh, the Falcons are so talent laden, they're so stacked, and they're they're so deep at the wide receiver position." Like, are they? 
You know, like if they do decide to part ways with Justin Hardy, which again, I won't agree with, but if they decide to do that, look, wouldn't be the first time I got these things wrong. Do they feel like Christian Blake is giving them significantly more than what Justin Hardy has given them over the last four years? Is is Christian Blake going to, you know, be a guy that, you know, has a passer rating, uh, Matt Ryan gives Matt Ryan a passer rating of like 123 when he's targeted on third downs, a passer rating of like 105 when he's targeted in the red zone? Do they feel like Christian Blake's going to offer them more than what Justin, you know, like that's where I, I wonder a little bit whether or not, you know, I question a little bit of sort of, all this talk about, you know, Justin Hardy being on the bubble. And if he is, then why, why is he on the bubble? Is it simply because, Oh, uh, he hasn't lived up to whatever expectations are like, what are you expecting out of him? You know, you have Muhammad Sanu, you have Calvin Ridley. He's been productive when he's been on the field. He just doesn't get on the field that much. I'm very curious to see how this wide receiver position gets resolved. I I like what Zacchaeus has done. I like what Gray's done. I think Blake has, Blake has been solid. I think all these guys they're certainly deserving, have shown that they are capable and deserving of being that six wide receiver. I don't know if I've seen enough from any of those guys to feel like, oh, that guy is going to be just as good or better than, you know, Hardy is. If I was going to pick a guy, I would probably say Zacchaeus just because I feel like Zacchaeus at least potentially has the skill set that he could play all three wide receiver spots. He could play the X, he could play the Y, he could play the Z. I've talked about him being more of a Y and a Z guy, and I question a little bit of whether or not he has the speed, you know, that you ideally want in that X wide receiver, the guy that's going to be like, oh, well, we can't press uh, Zacchaeus because if we if we don't jam him, he's going to beat us over the top. I don't know if that's really what Zacchaeus does, but I think he's shown some good bursts and acceleration, you know, through two games that I've been impressed by that I would like... I'd at least, you know, entertain that possibility or whatnot. So he's the guy that I'm I'm sort of most intrigued by, which is not a surprise. We talked about him heading into training camp. We talked about him heading into the preseason as the most intriguing option and, and potentially the best of these Falcons undrafted receivers. So I'm very curious how the Falcons sort of resolve this wide receiver position. If they decide to go young and, and go with, you know, guys like Gage and guys like Zacchaeus and Blake and Gray or whoever else, um, and, and go with some inexperienced guys. And if they do have an injury to uh, Julio Jones, they, they do have an injury to a Calvin Ridley, do they do have an injury to a Muhammad Sanu? Are we going to get a situation like we saw in that 2013 season where you got injuries to their top two out of their top three wide receivers, and then they had to turn to Darius Johnson, they had to turn to Drew Davis, they had to turn to Kevin Cohn, they had to turn to Brian Robisky. And because Matt Ryan had zero rapport with these guys, these guys had little to no experience running this offense even though a couple of those guys had been around for a couple of years, but the coaching staff never really tried to develop those guys to be options in the passing game. And so therefore the Falcons had to scrap their no huddle offense because, Hey, these guys don't know how to run the no huddle. Is that really what the, like, this is part of the reason why I'm a little bit, you know, anxious about this wide receiver depth because I've seen this happen before where the Falcons thought, Oh yeah, we got these young talented wide receivers and they're, they're ready to blossom. And then boom, Oh, Julio Jones got hurt. Boom. Oh, Roddy White got hurt. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, these young, talented wide receivers, our offense completely tanked because we were all about the upside and the potential and not understanding that, you know, there's circumstances where that will force these guys into the lineup right now. And these guys aren't ready to play. So, you know, I, I get a little triggered by that. So if I'm a little, it sounds a little angsty there. That's part of the reason because I've seen one Falcon season tank largely due to, in my opinion, their decision to, you know, not have experienced players at that as far as the wide receiver depth. So uh, we'll have to sort of see how the Falcons resolve this. I'm, I'm very curious how this gets resolved.
uh, in the future. And, you know, with, with the Saubert trade that does, you know, that's a shot across the bow for any quote unquote underachieving former draft picks. Um, and we'll have to sort of see that, you know, that 2017 draft looks pretty interesting now, you know, with Duke Riley sort of also being on the bubble, uh, in that regard, we've already, we're already talked about Sean Harlow probably being on the bubble and, and likely on his way out. And so you're looking at the 2017 draft, it's Tack McKinley, it's DeMonte Casey and, um, you know, Brian Hill now. And then again, you know, Brian Hill is not necessarily a lock to make the team at this point in time. So it's one of those things where that draft is not looking better at this point in time. But hopefully the Falcons will, you know, be able to find a way to retain Brian Hill um, and, and at least get something out of that draft beyond Tack and, and DeMonte Gazy uh, moving forward. So we'll have to sort of see how that plays out and all this stuff plays out. But uh, we'll be back tomorrow to talk more Falcons content and yeah, get you guys geared up for the upcoming Jets game. So look forward to that. If you have any questions you want to send me, you can shoot them to me on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, email address is Falcons at mail.com. And of course, uh, if you guys get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Falcons, and I'll be right there with you for the drive. Until then. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.